Welcome back to another episode of Sticks and Stones. Um, you are watching and listening to episode five, Money Talks. So uh, we are here, uh, myself, E, Jake, Matt. So, fellas, what's, what's happening, up, my guys? All right, and, uh, and then we also have uh, Kevin Wooten on here to uh, give us what's some up, insight. What's up, Kevin? As far as uh, buying cars, and then we have our boy Michi McClinton uh, to give us a lot of insights about uh, buying houses. So. You know, we know we're jumping into 2023. Uh, some of you may have purchased homes, purchased cars, bought homes, rent, rented homes, cars, vice versa, um, this year or previously, and just didn't know about uh, what to expect when you want to purchase. So we're going to try to give you that tonight. So I'm um, going to pass it over. Uh, let my guys uh, start out. We're going to start with Keevan with, with the car piece. And, of course, uh, viewers, feel free to comment if you have any questions, comments, concerns, and we'll try to address the ones that are appropriate. Um, for this show. All right. Turn it over to Jake, Matt. Yeah, man. Um, so appreciate both of you guys getting on tonight. Um, Keevan, we're just going to jump right into it. Um, All right. Uh, Coldwater, Oxford, Ole Miss. Um, just tell us a little bit about your journey to uh, where you are now uh, as a finance manager at one of the top dealerships in the Mid-South. Yeah, start off right there in Coldwater, Mississippi, uh, Court Street. Uh, start off there, playing on the you know drum line there with Jordan, and uh, we was talking early how when he was his senior year he was drum captain, and uh, we went to Gallenberg for a competition, and uh, he was me me and some of the other drummers were playing around. Me and Rocky were always playing around. Jordan came and grabbed me. He's like, stop playing around. You need to focus in because next year you're going to be the drum captain. And uh, since that day, he kind of set me forward to make sure I focus on, you know, leadership and things like that. I want to give you a shout out for that and appreciate that, man. I went yep. there and then I ended up uh, going to Northwest uh, uh, as well. And I ended up being drum captain there. And then I went to Ole Miss. After that, I got started in the car business with the Kirk Brothers in Grenada, Mississippi. Uh, started off selling cars, the in sales manager. Worked there three years, moved to South Haven, and got with the Landers Auto Group and uh, finance manager there at a Chrysler and Nissan store. And then at Home Escape Ford now, where I've been for the last four years as the finance manager there. What's up? Good stuff, man. Uh, finance manager, that's, that's one of the um, one of the uh, careers that I was looking into, and I always got them rejection applications, man. So what you do, man? Who you bribe to become a finance manager? <laughs> You just gotta work hard, man. Just work yeah. hard, man. And this one thing you gotta come up, show up to work, and uh, just work hard and go get it, man. Yeah. So, um, you know, I know when you talk about cars, you know, you buy cars, you lease cars. You know, some people buy them out of car, out of out of yards. Most people go to the dealerships. Um, I'm one who, uh, since I've been buying cars, I've been going to the dealerships. Um, I don't know a lot about leasing cars. So can you kind of break down the difference to us from a, a buyer standpoint um, on what's the what's what makes more sense? Every situation is different as far as when you come buying and leasing. Here in the South, it's not popular to lease cars. Mm -hmm. uh, so most people who do lease, they probably lease a secondary car or a high-end car uh, because everything's so spread out here. And we, we drive a lot further than people who stay in bigger cities. And, you know, with leases, you can be penalized for miles. When you get ready to turn them in, if you're over the mileage limit and things like that, they charge you, or you got damage on the car, you get charged for that. So traditionally here in the South, it's you know it's more befitting to say to buy the lease 
that's one reason, unless you're going to have a secondary car or something like that, a luxury car, uh, if you want to lease out. Uh, so, some of the perks of leasing, you know, you get a new car every two or three years. Uh, there's something, you know, perk, and, you know, your car stay under manufacturer warranty and your maintenance typically is in there too. But by you know, how the market is now, you can trade your vehicles in every two or three years as well if you, you buy your vehicles right. You know, you don't have to worry about the penalties you have on the lease as well. And typically, lease rate, it depends on what market we're in. Sometimes lease rates are better. The residuals are better than say buy. But uh, right now, the market we're in, it probably best to buy depend on the vehicle and what programs that manufacturer have going on. Gotcha. Yeah. So a, a follow-up question to that. All right. So I, I have a 2020 uh, GMC Sierra is what I ride in. Four-wheel drive. Oh, cool. All right. Um, since I bought that truck, you know what's, what the market's done the last couple of years. I've had dealerships reach out saying, we'll buy it from you, you know, with the ticket price. All right. If you're going to do that, then what you're going to do? You're going to charge me 20000 more for a different vehicle. So you yeah. just, like you just mentioned, you know, coming in, you know, and trading a car in two or three years old. I don't have an issue with that. Actually, the last two vehicles I've had, I've done the same thing. But it made sense from a trading value standpoint. So with, with the interest rates being the way they are now, and the markups, I know you, you've seen and heard a lot about the markups. I know you deal a lot with it every day. Would it make sense for me to do that right now with the markups and the interest rates? Well, one thing, like, I'm at home skeptical Ford. Like, Ford got some great rates right now. You still can get 1.9, 2.9, 3.9, uh, 4.9. You know, you still can get those through the manufacturer, especially if you're looking at uh, new. Mm-hmm. You know, and the used car market is a little bit different. But new, you still can get really great rates on qualified vehicles. And so, I mean, if you can take advantage of that, because now, over the last couple of years, the biggest thing was inventory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, economics one-on-one, supply and demand, all right? If you got limited uh, supply, high demand, of course, prices going to go up because more people want that product, yeah. all right? And so now, uh, since everything getting back to normal and, uh, you know, the Fed's raising the rates to slow down buying, so the market is starting to come on the down. So typically what normal what we used to, mm-hmm. you know? So as far as you want to trade, it's still a peak as far as what you can get for your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Practically, you can, like for me personally, I had my vehicle I was going to keep on them forever. I ended up having a lifetime warranty on it. and But I got the same price for my vehicle that I paid for five years ago and put 100,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. So it was more like, hey, let me just go and sell it. I mean, if you, you want to go and get out of it, you can, because you still can get special rates through your manufacturers as well. So you come holler at me, we can get you taken care of. Yeah. I know, Keith, when we we was talking earlier, like you just mentioned, um, talking about warranties and uh, uh, gap insurance and all that. Just kind of go into that uh, a little bit, because I know a lot of people get to the dealerships and they don't plan for that piece um, of it. They just, you know, I know I know what I want my monthly payment to be, but they don't plan for the gap insurance and the warranties and all that. So just kind of speak to that. Okay, cool, good question. Uh, gap coverage is a real big component, especially if you're not putting a big a big sum of money down, a lot of money down. So what that do, it helps protect you, say in the case you total your car from you hitting a deer, somebody hitting you or the act of mother nature and your car gets totaled out, your insurance company gonna cut you a check, but they don't cut your check for the value of your vehicle. And everybody knows what happened to the value of your vehicle so you drive off a lot. Right, it goes down, right? And so the gap coverage here protect you from what your insurance gonna pay you for and what you owe in your vehicle. 
So typically, say if you got a car for twenty thousand, he went out. Yeah, I, I froze him. I got magical powers. <laughs> Give me a second. I, I might let him back in. Hold on a second. There we go. I, I, think, I think I got out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I froze for a second. You good? Go ahead, man. My bad. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, say if you got a car, uh, you, uh, you find that say twenty thousand dollars, you pay twenty thousand dollars for, and and say a month, a month later, or five months later, or a year later, you end up totaling because somebody hit you, and the insurance company say give you fifteen thousand for it, but you owe twenty on it. Well, gap coverage it'll pay that uh, difference for you, and so you don't have to come out of pocket pay because you still got to get paid. So gap help protect you on that. So that's, that, that's why I would advise everybody yet. So follow up question on that. Yes, sir. I think we all know somebody who ride ride dirty, no insurance. Yeah. So um, let's, let's say I don't know nobody. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. We all know somebody. Okay. Let, let, let's say I go buy a car, and um, hypothetically, I buy a car, and you know, I buy the gap insurance, and then two months later down the road, you know, I'm not paying the regular insurance on the car. Does gap still cover the car if something happens to it, or does well, that gap always come secondary? It's, it's secondary, but it, it can cover a portion. So what they'll do, they'll figure out what the insurance will pay, mm-hmm. and they'll pay that different. But you re- response for the remainder balance. So yeah. So they got insurance. They got insurance. What they paying? Nothing. So in the example I gave, say that five thousand different. Uh-huh. Typically, what insurance, what gap coverage you have, it can still pay that five, but you'll be responsible for that uh, oh. fifteen. Okay, gotcha. What your insurance supposed to cover? Okay. We call that is upside down, fellas. Upside down. So make sure y'all <laughs> keep that insurance and that liability. Okay. Don't, don't try to go get that insurance. Critical. Try to get that insurance when you got to go to court. Show that proof of insurance. Don't do that. So, um, yeah, man. So I know you. T- we talked about the interest rates. Uh, you talked about you know the good interest rates that you guys have now, and we're almost about to be, uh, or we may potentially be in a recession soon. So we all know what that means. And, you know, 1.9, 2.9, 3.9, would it make sense for people now to jump on those interest rates or wait? And I know you're in a business selling cars, so anybody yeah. come to the lot, <laughs> it's a good thing. But just just in general, man, would it make sense for you to – would it make sense for them to come buy a car today from you or come and buy one maybe a year later and they may send somebody else and you're letting buy one too? Well, it depends on your situation, you know. If, if you're in a position you got a good vehicle, you, you're satisfied with it, you don't need one, it's like you said, we're in a recession. And, you know, when you get into recession, you spend less, mm-hmm. you know. So if you're in a good situation, do But if you need help because your car breaking down, you're having problems, or your family grown, you need a bigger vehicle, or you need a downsize because we're in a recession, you want to get something smaller to help with gas and all that, uh, we can do that too, you know. Uh, and, and, you know There's always opportunities, especially in a recession. So you want to create more opportunities for yourself as far as, let me cut back on my car uh, buying as far as my payments. Get something a little cheaper so I can have other opportunities to do something with my money. You can do that too. So it depends on your situation. Before before Mac uh, jumps in, I wanted to uh, ask this question from the comments. Travis Thomas um, asked about the vehicle uh, chip shortage. We know that's been a big thing uh, during the pandemic. Um, just speak to that. Is there a uh, vehicle chip shortage? Yeah, it's been a chip shortage. You know, the largest manufacturer of make chip chips in China, the plant burned down. 
who made the chips with pretty much all manufacturing, but not just cars, but the same thing. Like I remember about a year ago, the PlayStation, how they were going for crazy prices. It, it, it evolved with them as well. Uh, everything is getting back normal because here in America, we started making them here. A lot of manufacturers just started making them themselves. So they give them from China and places like that. So it's getting back normal, but it's going to take time to get what it used to be. But it's a, a little bit, you know, the effect of that, you know, say a couple of years ago before the pandemic. I'm going to freeze him for a second. <laughs> let, let's, let, let, hold on, fellas. Let me freeze him. I'll be back in a second. Hold on. That's the, let me see. Magic Powers. Obama internet. Magic Powers. Hold on, Matt. Hold on. Yeah, get on Biden internet, man. You still on Obama internet? <laughs> Trump internet. Yeah. There you go, Cuban. My bad. I, I just like to play, man. My bad. My bad. Are you fine? But uh, I'm saying it's it's still it's, it's getting. <laughs> you froze him again. So what now? <laughs> so that's long now. You know that long? Yes, sir. <laughs> oh. Uh-uh. <laughs> All right, man. He good to go. You good, man. My bad, man. Go ahead. Man. Yeah. yeah, I think we have but, some uh, issue. You good. We, we ain't gonna let you miss a beat. Go ahead. Do your all thing. right, cool. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, but with the chip shortage, you know, it's, it's getting back normal. It's still a little bit. You know, before the pandemic, if you want a particular color with a sunroof, certain wheels, something like that, it was a lot of options for you to get that. You know, it's still limited on supply because of that. So uh, I always tell customers now, if you if you want a certain vehicle, but you got everything you want but a subroof or got everything but leather, still going to grab it, you know, because it's still very limited supply. And you had to clear that back. I actually met some guys. Uh, I think I was doing a job fair or something through this military transition thing. And, and uh, they was, like, from one of the companies in the U.S. that make the chips or whatnot, and they was hiring so it's still like a huge backlog to clear, according to them. So they yeah. playing catch up. Keevan. Yeah. So yes, sir. How important? How important is uh for you being a finance manager? How important is credit score uh, when you purchase in a vehicle? My credit score is very important, especially if you want the best of the best rate, the lowest payment. You know, the better your credit score, the better your opportunity is to uh, get approved and get the best of the best interest rate and get the cheapest payment. You know, for me, we work with all different situations. We sell about 200 vehicles a month. And so, but they vary from people who... How many? In, in about 200 a month. Damn! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, sir. We, we, we ain't playing no games. Doc. We, we would, through the whole pandemic, we was doing that, man. We, we, we did pretty good. That's why you got them nice ass suits on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, I mean, look, he be sitting at the game, sitting at sitting at the game with uh T. Morant. Usher singing. But yeah, so, we, we do people who are in the 500, 400s all the way up to nine hundred. So we can work with you in all your situations. So. If my if I'm uh in the four hundreds, four hundred range, four fifty range, what what kind of interest rate am I looking at? Well, the I mean, question gonna have one. Like, <laughs> you gonna have uh, uh you know the interest rate gonna be high, but a tip uh, I can say say if you do 
have that and get somebody who can possibly co-sign for you, that can help bring the interest rate down. Another factor, money down, can help bring your interest rate down. Or a new, because different states have different laws. In the state of Mississippi, the highest interest rate you can get on a new vehicle is 18%. And so if you go use, they can go up, you know, yeah. they can get up there. So I got, let me, let me, I got one more follow up to that real quick because uh, in the military, bro, and I keep resorting back to the military just because of situations and, and uh, experience that, experiences that I went through. So I remember I bought my first car, right? <clears throat> Didn't have established credit yet. Didn't have anybody that could co-sign. Didn't have the money down that I wanted to have to, you know, probably potentially give me a better interest rate. And so it was just me by myself, right? Mm-hmm. So for for somebody in that situation, and they that have to take the eighteen percent, what what are some options for them? Like if they had to take that eighteen percent to get in the door to, to build their credit, uh, is like refinancing an option. And if so, like after how long? I froze, man, because I want to uh, answer that question for you. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, no, man, I'll let him answer. So how, how, how long? How long? Hey, you, you didn't hear that question. I'm gonna do. We gonna skip it. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna circle back to it. How long? How long he gotta stay with the 18 percent man? If he just bought a car. I right, answer, man. So man, you had the experience. You know, you have to identify yourself. So man, you, you know, you have with the military. Uh, I had the same situation as a civilian. Uh, same situation, you know. Nobody co-sign. I really didn't want nobody to co-sign because at that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna get my own. I ain't asking nobody else to do that, you know. When it comes to that, yeah. So you know, the first vehicle, I think I was paying like 18 percent, and gas was like four dollars a gallon. UConn, 2005 UConn. So I was doing Ooh. something. Yeah, I would say if somebody, you know, you starting out, of course, you, you know, you're gonna get the highest interest rate because you're more risky because you never had a loan before or yeah. paid some amount of money. Man, do it in six months to a year. Get a refinance if you go. You don't get a refinance. That's another way. Another thing you can do. You ain't got to keep the car for the full term loan. You know, trade it in after two or three years. You know, it's, it's different ways you can do to overcome that the high interest rate. Yeah, I, I just feel like that's important for people to know because, like, if you in a circle like like us right here right now, we've been around for a while. I've been grown for a minute, so. You say eighteen percent interest, my my face gonna light up like me did a while ago. <laughs> but somebody that's graduating high school and, and and they're on their own, right? No help, no co-signer. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on what circuit they're in, somebody might be like eighteen percent interest. You crazy? But then that might be the only in, the, the only option that they have. Yeah. And so like they shouldn't it's go hard. into it like discouraged or or looking like yeah. uh, it's something that they. They can't get out of or can't refinance to a better interest rate if that's the only option. Yeah, that's right. You can do that. And, and on your loans, it's a simple interest loan. So with it, the sooner you pay it off, the more money you save. So you can potentially cut that interest rate in half by making extra payments and going to get it paid off. So that is too. It's not like some of the uh, traditional loans and things like that. You've got to pay the full interest rate. And the sooner you pay it off, you can save more money. So, so what you're telling me is... What you're telling me is when tax time come, rather than put some 26 on my Crown Vic that I'm paying $600 a month for, yeah. just go and take that money and pay that Crown Vic off. And then I can yeah. buy the rims the next month. You can no. do what you want. You got to get through the sixes first, bro. You got to do sixes. <laughs> <laughs> super, super shocks. But yeah. Um, but man, that's, that's good. That's good information, Keeper, for real. But um, I, yeah, um, I got a follow up question for you, though. For me? 
the 05 UConn. Yeah. You bought that from Prestige or Boss? Uh, what's, what's the name of this place? Uh, the Soda Auto, what is it? The Soda Auto Center on, on Goodman Road? The, the Soda Auto Sales. The Soda Auto Sales. I bought that truck from the Soda Auto Sales. And man, uh, I love that truck, to be honest with you. I think it was 2000, it was 2011 when I bought that truck. It wasn't a bad price, but the interest rate was crazy. But gas is also $4 a gallon. Man, gas is so high, I traded that truck in for a Malibu. No. What wrong Malibu? But, you know what I'm saying? I traded in for a Malibu. I had a Malibu. It was a truck. I don't want to get rid of my truck, but it was a brand new Malibu. And, and I had a much better interest rate, and I traded that Malibu for a Mustang. Was gas already $4 a gallon when you bought the Yukon? Nah, nah, it was it was getting it was getting there. It was getting there. I think it was like three, it was like 325. But when I realized I couldn't cut the four gallon, I was like, ah, I gotta go. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I ended up trading that truck, man, for a Malibu, brand new Malibu. And then when I decided that I uh wanted the Mustang, the 2015 Mustang, I traded for the 2015 Mustang, had a pretty good interest rate. So in that amount of time, I went from an 18% interest rate on the Yukon, which was my first vehicle. Um, and then when I got the Mustang, I think my interest rate at the time was like five and a half on the Mustang. And the only reason I got rid of that Mustang is because the water pump and the uh and the air condition went out within the first fifty thousand miles and it had been hit twice. So I got out of it. You know, but uh yeah. That's good. And, and and like back to what Max said, you know, don't get discouraged when you discouraged when you start now. Just like you said, he went to eight, eighteen percent and into a five, you know. It, it do get better, you just gotta establish yourself. Yeah, and and then the next piece too, um, and this gonna kind of tie into you and meet you. I'm sure you guys will agree, but it's two different criteria when you're buying a car versus buying a house. You buying a car, they're looking at that debt to income on on a monthly basis. When you buy a house, it's similar, but they also looking at their FICO score. Buying cars, y'all just looking at Equifax and and what Q. We use all three. We depend on what lender we use. Okay. But all all three. So all, all three credit bureaus. I'm gonna freeze it for a second. I just feel like <laughs> so. Uh, hey, but 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 the difference is too is like, and I know we'll get to this later. But when you buying that car, they're gonna find a way to squeeze you in that car. If your debt to credit ratio is too high with the house, that's gonna affect your buying power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, go ahead, Kim. You say y'all use all three. Let me go ahead, right? Yeah. Me another question since that one stretched off the list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But we you know, use all three depending on what uh, lender we use. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we can look at all three. Of course, debt to income do matter. You know, payment to income matter as well. I mean, you can have a nine hundred credit score and say you make three thousand dollars a month, and you want to get a car and and just two thousand dollar note, you ain't gonna get approved for it because you can't mm-hmm. afford it. You know. Yeah. So yeah, debt to income do matter and payment to income. You know, of course, uh, buying a car is not such a large purchase. As a house, you know, the second largest purchase you make in a lifetime is a car. You know, the house is the first. So it's a little bit more stranger when it comes to buying a house versus a car. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Keeman, um, I wanted to ask, um, so you got a lot of old school people that I know probably still come up to the dealership saying, mm-hmm. I want to pay cash. Like, you know, the ep- this episode is called Money Talks. Like, does this still work? In today's market, somebody coming in saying, "Yeah, I'm paying. I'm paying cash. Like I, I want the best deal you got." Hey, we said, "Come on, bring the cash in. We accept, <laughs> we accept cash." <laughs> I mean, as far as 
now, like you said, back in the day, when it said, hey, we get a bigger discount on the car because I'm paying cash, that don't work as much. Because back in the day, it took longer for dealerships to get their money from the lender, right? And you sold cash, you needed cash to get for a business operation and make payroll and stuff like that. So you, sometimes you did get a better deal. But now I get my pay, money from Ally Cap One the next day, you know, the same day. So I mean, so somebody cash, find that cash don't matter. Yeah. So it, it's not as strong as usually, but cash still talk now, you know? I mean, yeah. I got a question. Uh, yeah. How, when I, when I go buy my next car, how much I need to tell them, hey, my partner finance manager, he told me off top, I need to tell y'all, cut this down 5000 to for the extra <laughs> money y'all had on. Keep <laughs> that mark, by the way, huh? <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it depends on what, it depends on the bigger you buy, man. I mean, like I said, economics 101, supply and demand. Y'all know they just came out with the Ford Bronco, right? And that thing was hot. I mean, it was people who were buying the vehicle, bought, paid $65,000 for it, and then they'd go sell it for eighty or a hundred grand the next week, you know? Damn, so it, 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 it just depends, you know, on the vehicle too when it comes to that. You know, at our dealership, we, we got a market-based pricing, we no hazard. So we won't put our prices up through the roof and then try to negotiate for a best for fit for what customer. And you see some dealerships there, like they get one person a price, then another person come in, they get a whole other different price where they just raise the price up. We know that we keep the price the same so we can make it easier, a better buying experience for our customer. And we're very competitive with our pricing as well. Yeah. So, so look, um, check this question out because when I bought my truck and when we wanted to get my wife's truck, I told the uh, finance manager the same thing. So I can tell you now, around my credit score is, I said, uh, don't go and run my credit with 10 or, 10 or 12 different banks. I said, start at the top, whichever one, you know, give me the top two or three you got and let me know. Um, and I'll tell you if I'm going to run them or not. Does it hurt people's credit score to run like five or six banks? Or if I can tell you now, my credit score is a 720 or 730, you know, you know which ones are going to run or you're going to still run them five or 10 anyway. Now, we, different banks is for different people's situation, all right? We got some vendors who work with people who got repos and four or five hundred credit scores, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, you want to send somebody who's seven hundred there because they don't fit their situation. Then we got some banks who do a prior who only work with customers who are six eighty or better, you know. Mm -hmm. So we try to fit the bank with fit your situation. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's a good point. You say, I mean, as far as say how many how many times they run your credit, they uh things have changed with that because back in the day you run your credit, you kind of kill your score a lot. Now, if you do it in a short time period, you know, like in a week or two, it counted as one pool. Yeah. You know, because they want you to compete for your business. Like some people, like, I'm going to my uh, bank or credit union, I probably get a better interest rate. Mm -hmm. I would tell them, hey, let me compete for it. And I, I beat them most of the time. Let people compete for your business. Yeah. And, and the reason I asked that, because I know, again, when I bought my first vehicle, they did that. When I got like 10 or 12 different levels, I'm like, who's all these people? And then when I, you know, and the guy ran it, and he didn't tell me I'm, I'm reaching out to 10, 10 or twelve banks. And um, back then, like I said, that was that was back, you know, twenty ten or so. And at that time, they were hitting my credit time and time again. So if I'm if I'm gonna try to build my credit with this eighteen percent interest rate, it's gonna take me three or four months just to break even to where my credit score was. You know, so now that's out of the question because they don't do it anymore. So I just want to make sure that I understood that too. Yeah, and, and then the window, the, the window. Um, 
forgot exactly how many days it is. Meech might know, but it's a, a certain amount of time that uh the window you have. They know I think it's seventy-two hours, right? So they can see. I think it's more than seventy-two hours, but I don't yeah, want to speculate. I know with mortgages, I think it's in where I think around 14, 15 days or somewhere like yeah, that. Because yeah. they know you're shopping for the best rate and they, you, you're trying to get a mortgage. So it, it's, they don't ding you for everybody to check your credit. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, Keevan, um, yes, sir. Back on that. On that. Hey, 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 man. Hello. Before you ask that question, my bad. For cars, is, is it the same, Keevan? Like, what's the window? Huh? I saw you. I was asking if you was coaching the game tonight or what. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, someone get out here with one coach. <laughs> Cut me off. Come on with you. Real topic, man. Let's stay there right there. Let's stay right there. It was on topic. <laughs> you know what? You yeah. asked a question. You asked a question, right? And you title to a question, and that person that question can title. I'm tired to an answer. <laughs> Go ahead, though, cause I forgot my question. No. No, I, I think you were asking. You were asking was the one the same as far as uh when All the time right, was Yeah, yeah. Now, my my question was different, but I don't know now. It's over with. All right, so since he don't, <laughs> he don't remember his question, Keevan, is is the window the same for cars or houses? Me, I mean, like uh, fourteen days. Yeah, you're saying about fourteen days. Yeah. Okay. Because they because they look at your credit, and they say you shopping. You know, and of course they want you to compete. When people compete for your business, so we can build, you get the best interest rate. When companies compete for you, your business, you will win in that. You know, you will get the situation. Gotcha. So, so basically, even if I come with my pre-approval, is is best uh, depending on when I got that pre-approval. It's best to potentially let the dealership run my credit to see if they can provide yep. me a better interest rate. Yeah, just tell them, say, hey, I got approved. My bank giving me this. Can y'all beat it? And most of the time, they can tell you right on top that we can beat it or not beat it. I have something interesting happening. Typically, the hardest ones to beat is people borrowing against their own money. You know, say somebody got, you know, 50 grand in the bank, right? And they go to the bank, I'm going to just pull it out from my savings account, $30,000 buy a car. This typically the hardest one to beat, but I had a guy who claimed in the other day, uh, he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm borrowing against my own money. I'm getting a 2.9% interest rate. He said, can you beat it? I said, typically, I could beat that. I get you a 1.9. And so, uh, it's always good to you know have a conversation with people compete for your business. Yeah, that's good to know. Cause I used to go in there, jump that pre-approval. Like, nah, this I'm rocking with my pre-approval. My bank, I know <laughs> where I'm making the payments at, but next time, be different. Yeah. Um, hey, 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 man, to that point, <laughs> I'll tell you what I did, man. When I bought my uh, when I bought my GMC, I went in and told them folks. I said, look, I said, look, I already looked at the Dodge Ram. Y'all gonna either give me the best rebate y'all got, or I'm buying a dollar ram tonight. I ain't got time to be wasting, wasting no games. <laughs> <laughs> they gave me a rebate on, on a truck from the year before. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say they said, get your ass out of my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Keevan, I'm gonna kind of merge a question um, here. Um, okay. We got a question in the comment that talks about, and I mean, I know we know you're a Ford guy. Um, what brand of vehicles is the best to buy economically and safety wise? Um, but part B um, to that would be just kind of speak to that piece and the people like me. I got a 16 year old teenager. I need a car. I need a car. I need a car. Um, do I go buy used or is it OK to go get something new? Um, so 
just kind of speak to that. Okay. Um, as far as top safety vehicles, you know, it's different pollings that come out about that. And it depends on what you use your vehicle for. If you if you working, you're gonna be pulling. Question: You know, no one selling truck in America for over the last forty plus years is the F one fifty. That's the number one selling vehicle in America. And of course, when you don't get a truck, boom, get something to work for you. Or you're looking for a, a family car. <laughs> you're looking for a family car. You know what's gonna be safe before you get that. And typically, if y'all pay attention to car insurance, I'm gonna tell you what shocked me when I started looking into this. The smaller cars typically have the highest of insurance rate. I'm gonna go ahead and say he's gonna say insurance rate for 500, Alex. Smallest cars have the highest gas mileage. I'm, I'm, I'm going gas mileage. Chief, do no F 150s come with internet? <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what's going on with mine. You <laughs> <laughs> had to get in one of them. I know what it is. He, hey, here's the finish for me. He in the locker room. That was going on. <laughs> Y'all went to the game, man. <laughs> man, tell T, T. Morant, let you use his hotspot, man. <laughs> Hey, look at it, look at it. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with mine. <laughs> hey, man, we love it, man. We love it. We love it. But, yeah, I'm man, just, just what you, mine, you, but, uh, you're saying about the smaller car. <laughs> Keep, can you hear us? <laughs> Hey, that man I ain't get on that cricket. There you go. There you go. There we go. Man, AT&T, man, got something going on. No, no, no. Hey, I don't now use you, AT&T the best now. You down there on top of Bass Pro or something, man. Yeah, I'm down here downtown, man. And, uh, hey, hey, Jordan, you know, I, I got my AT&T. Now I ain't going back to AT&T now. <laughs> but, no, you, you were talking about um, Bro, what, you, what you found out about the – uh, smaller cars. Can you might have to log in from this phone or something. There you go. There you yeah. go. Yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm gonna move over here closer to my uh, my rider. Yeah, man. You, you said smaller car, the the bigger the tailpipe or, or the smaller car. You saying something? Smaller oh, yeah. car, bigger the body or something like that. Well, with with insurance. Uh, typically, the smaller the car, the higher the insurance price is. Right, you get a more compact car. Because you do have the crash come out of more likely to get injured. Like, if, if y'all been in a challenge or a charge, you see how heavy those doors are in those? You know, they can protect you more. Um, I would like to tell my, my customers don't try to get one too small, especially those very, very, very small cars. Because uh, insurance are a little higher on those uh, compared to like a full size car. Yeah. Hey, quick question, Keith. Uh, does the color of a car affect your insurance? Damn. <laughs> Keep looking at you like, man, what you asking me this shit for? <laughs> Still looking at him like that. <laughs> man. Hey, Keith. Hey, man, don't, hey, don't worry, bro. Hey, look, don't worry. Look, when tax time come around, we're going to let you redeem yourself. I'm going to let you go. Yeah. Man, 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 all them deals y'all got going on. <laughs> Keith, does, does the color of a car affect your insurance? Man, it, it depends, you know, with your driving history and things like that. I have some insurance agents I have talked to 
they said it, you know, especially sports cars gonna be the highest, right? And you know, red cars is a big thing too. Uh, some damn. Uh, so it just depends. So you, I, I heard it once before. I wasn't sure if they was right or not. Now, yeah. now, I was just asking you about, um, you know, about buying that teenager, um, the first vehicle. So you kind of, you know, I'm looking at. I don't want to buy anything used and have to put a bunch of money into it. But you know, I don't necessarily want to go pay a car note um, for somebody who um, is unproven um, as a driver. So what, what what's your uh, what's your advice uh, to myself and other parents in this situation? I would say get a get a knock around. Okay. So so, I don't hmm. know. What if you got a girl though, and you don't want to get stranded and shit? Hey, I, I wouldn't go new. Nah, not new. Yeah, yeah not new. Because because you got to think they they new to it. Uh, they jumped in, but they ain't gonna check nothing. Right, nothing. none of them. And oh uh, yeah, my wife. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give them, let, 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 them practice, let them practice good. Let them test some stuff up first before I go. Yeah. Hey, Mitch, so what you want? What you want to do? Check the oil every morning before you pull out and drive? Nah, this. Hey, once I get it for them, this on them. <laughs> <laughs> once I show you how to do it, if you don't check it, baby, that's on you. <laughs> Tear it up. You just gonna be Uber near where you want to go. <laughs> I did my part. But yeah, nah, I, if it's a if it's a girl, uh, of course I got all girls. I make sure they straight on that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I got sure. all girls. Can't be. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't be having them stranded on side of the road. Yeah, yeah. But um, that don't mean get a note though. It just means you know some just got some some use, yeah. but up to date use. Yeah, yeah. Uh, up to yeah. par use. Put it like that. But and I, and I, that that just kind of brings me to something else. Um, like, Kevin, just talk about is he froze. I'm, I'm good. I'm here. Hey, good, man. What you mean? He's from like, when you talk about <laughs> uh, certified pre-owned, just kind of educate people on um, that classification, certified pre-owned, and, and pre-owned. what details. Yeah, certified pre-owned is, is something real popular. You're looking to buy you uh, used vehicle. <laughs> hold, on. hold on, hold on. Let me. I ain't got my whistle tonight. Yeah. I'm gonna mute myself, bro. Fit Patrick, mute yourself, man. These guys here, man. I'm laughing at Mac, man. Hold on. <laughs> man, froze up again. <laughs> All right. Uh, certified pre-owned uh, is something a real good where it's almost typically like a like a new vehicle, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, the manufacturer do extra check or the uh, dealership do extra checking on the vehicle and also come with a, a manufacturer uh, warranty on there as well that extend it out. So we go to a, a more stringent process than you typically do on any other pre-owned vehicle. So it'd be backed by that manufacturer. So if you could buy a certified pre-owned, that'd be good. And you were talking about, I know you're saying something about for your daughter or something like that. I know, say, you know that first car, you always get a knock around. Something for them to hit stuff in. You just can't get them hit stuff, they're going to do that. But you said if you're going to go to college, you're going to give them something a little nicer. You know, without breaking the bank, certified pre-owned is a good one, you know? And if something happened to it, you can tell them, hey, just take it to the dealership there. You know, they can be able to take care of you. Okay. What, uh, and look, since you're on the subject, what, what makes a vehicle, uh, what makes a vehicle qualify for certified pre-owned? It depends on the year and miles. Okay. So every manufacturer is different what's qualified, but typically on the year and miles, uh, on it, typically your newer used vehicle. So it's, of course, like your, 
we're in 2022 right now, 2021, 2019, some 2018, possibly, just depending on the manufacturer. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. E, what you got? Man, I think I'm good on, on, the, on the cars, man. Keevan, we definitely appreciate you coming on, bro, and uh, talking about the cars, man. Um, you know, you know, tax time right around the corner. You know, it's going to be a lot of folks buying cars in the next three months. So, um, man, these man, these guys play so much. There'll be a lot of folks buying cars in the next three months, man. So, uh, we definitely appreciate you. But oh, man, no what, what I would say is, <clears throat> for everybody listening, if you know somebody who go out there and, and buy a new car every year, when tax time roll around, don't let them buy that car before talking to Keaton first. That's yeah, what I was saying. Man. Yeah, man. Um, I still got the same phone number from high school. Yeah, I, 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 I have one other question before you go. Um, yeah. And it may, I know it relates to you, but probably not directly, but just how important is it um, from a financial standpoint for people to check the price of insurance before they go get a note on the vehicle? Oh, man. <clears throat> that's, a, that's a great question. Some people, you know, we creatures of habits, that's what I mean. And we want to do things the same way we always do it and work with the same insurance company always. Shop around on insurance, you know, so you can get better rates. First, you know, when you first get with an insurance company, you're dealing with the best rates in the first couple of years. But shop around rates. Always shop around. I had somebody coming in and got him got a sports car. His insurance company he always used was a hundred dollars higher than everybody else, you know. So shop around. And then also, uh, well, this is this is more of a comment than a question, but being that I just moved, right? Just know that those insurance prices vary from state to state. Yep. I mean, when I moved to Memphis, man, insurance went up. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, you're in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, apparently Texas got the most uninsured drivers in the nation. And so, like, insurance is crazy. Kenny, you got you traveling with Fin Fins and around you. Yeah, your insurance going to be sky high. Man, yeah. But, um, yeah, man, we definitely appreciate you coming on. Just kind of uh, tell, tell people um, about where you at and, uh, you know, how they can uh, get in touch with you. I know you don't want to deal with uh, necessarily the people coming in. I know you're going to put them with somebody like you did with me. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that ain't no duck, but I'm just saying, when he, when he was at Landers, Keevan took care of me. I actually uh, yeah. I, uh, I called him on the phone, and we worked it out over the phone. I went and picked the car up. And I mean, I was gone in less than 15, 20 minutes. So um, uh, he took care of me. But uh, just uh, tell people how they can uh, get in contact with you and uh, where, where they can come see you. Yeah, I'm at Home Escapes Ford right there in Olive Branch. Call me. Uh, my number is 662-501-9584. Just hit me up, shoot me a text, call me. I'll get you an appointment, say then come in and see me. i take care of you, you know. I always tell people come and see me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. You know, I'm gonna be straight up with you. I'm gonna be straightforward with you, and I'm gonna make sure you're taken care of. What's the yeah, number one time? For a six six two five zero one nine five eight four. Yeah, we're gonna put it on the screen for a minute. Right. Yeah, man, we definitely try try to uh, get you back on uh, at some point too. Like we said, during tax time, um, <clears throat> we can try to get you back on and uh, see if we can help some more people out. Okay, cool. Don't try to put up thank you for me walking out there in the parking lot with this suit on. He's going to get y'all a sales <laughs> grip, and then he's going to help y'all finalize that deal. All right. All right. <laughs>
Yeah. Keep me welcome to stay on, man. We're gonna switch over to meet you. Don't and when, okay. when you um when you get off the call, don't you call cuz ATT out, man. <laughs> call cuz ATT out, bro. Yeah, yeah we, we definitely appreciate you, man. Feel free to chime in if you're gonna stick around, man. And uh, um if you have any more questions, then we'll 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 circle back. Okay. All right. All right, appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you guys. Big Meach. Little Meach. <laughs> Not the little one. Don't play with me. <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> man, y'all got it, bro. Y'all got it. Big Meach, man. Appreciate you being patient um, as we went through uh, went through that portion with Kevin, man. So, uh, like I said, when we thought about doing this, we just wanted to uh, just give people uh, some light going into the new year. We know cars and houses are uh, two of the biggest things on people, you know, vision boards and, and their plans and resolutions and all that kind of stuff. Um so uh, definitely wanted to bring you on. You've been killing it uh, for, I think, what the past couple of years, man. Every time I get on Facebook, I see uh, you just closed one. So uh, happy to have you on, big dog. Man, happy to be here, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yep. So look, since I um, could make off early, I think I was going to start this now. So, <laughs> so he can get his leg back, man. You know. I appreciate that, man. No problem. Man. I got on that shirt. No problem. <clears throat> Me. My guy. What's up with you, brother? Man, I can't call it. First, uh, before we hop in, or as we hop in, I'm just ask, how did you make your transition from being a master barber, a uh, shop owner, to uh, a realtor? Man, I hadn't. I'm slaying them things at the shop. Hey. <laughs> nah, but, uh, man, really, uh, it's like I got still got one foot in the shop and the other foot in real estate. Uh, actually, the barbershop kind of helped uh, boost it. Uh, and, and reason being is like I've met and connected so many people through the barbershop to when I started marketing myself as a realtor. I ain't gonna say it was easy, but it kind of pushed me a little bit because uh you know, uh, I had a guy tell me one time, he's a realtor and a barber as well. He was like, if they let you cut their hair, they'll let you sell them a house uh, to a certain degree. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people that sit in my chair when they realized that I was in real estate or, you know, doing conversations, uh, you know, questions came up. And when they seen that I was knowledgeable about the process, referrals started coming in. And I started, yeah, I mean, it just took off. So the barbershop kind of uh, kind of helped me out a whole lot. That's what's up. Yeah. So 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 with, with that with that Meach, um what kind of drove real estate? I know you know, I, I can't tell you my story, my my thought about real estate. I actually took the course. I did everything except take the test. And you know, career move with my current with my previous company where they wanted me to relocate for a promotion. <clears throat> so I put it to the side. So how how are you able to juggle that with the barbershop? Uh First off, man, I I bought my first house in like ninety eight or ninety nine. Uh, going through that process, I was like, it, it made me think, like, damn, I could do this. Uh, that's something I want to add to my resume. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, uh, ninety nine, I think I had just really kind of started. Uh, couldn't have full, well, not really full time, but part time in the barbershop. So I kind of put it to the side for a minute. I, uh, I thought about it again in like maybe 06, 07. 
it was 07, but the market was kind of uh, going through one of those things where it was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, crashing and whatnot. So I, I decided to wait. Um, I, it, it's something that I had on my vision board for a while. I knew that I wanted to get into it at some point. Uh, I think I thought about it again in 2013. Uh, at the end of 2018, I made it my business. It was like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and take this real estate class to see what I can do with it. And I really didn't like take the course for it to for it to jump off like that. I really was just just going ahead and taking the course. I wanted to get licensed. Um, and my thing was like, hey, I can sell one or two houses a year to pay all these fees and kind of uh, just get acclimated to the real estate business. And it'd be something for life after the barbershop. But uh, man, I got licensed and started running my mouth in the shop and man, things just kind of took off. Yeah. That's dope. Yep. God be having different plans, don't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how to go. And yep. as far as balancing it, uh, it's kind of hard, man. I ain't gonna even lie. Because I'm I'm I, I try to I, I wear too many hats. And so uh, everybody takes a call by the haircut. I'm trying to take a call by the haircut. I'm trying to trying to show houses in between. I'm trying to write offers or whatnot in between, and it get kind of difficult. Uh, this past year, I, I kind of got real busy and I had to, it, it really basically all about time management. Um, and it works well kind of with the, with the shop to a certain degree, uh, because I can manage my time. I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty much about appointments, so I can schedule appointments and kind of leave some room to go take care of real estate business. Or in the beginning of the week, I'm in the office more and weekends I'm in the barbershop, but uh basically it's just about time management man managing my time and uh it kind of works yeah what's up man so um um, oh yeah yeah so i I know you you mentioned you know you have your your license or whatever and you're an entrepreneur already and i know becoming a real estate agent you know you sell homes you know you make your money out selling homes but then after that one year mark you're able to be a broker you ever consider being a broker yeah that's actually uh I ain't gonna say one of my long-term goals. I actually, uh, I had it on my to-do list this past year. They had a uh, class in uh, May, but uh, man, I had five deals on the table that I was trying to get closed and it just didn't fit into my schedule. But uh, I'm planning on taking them classes here pretty soon. Uh, Not to say that I want to uh, go out on my own just yet. I'm I'm, I'm one of them type of people that feel like uh, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Mm-hmm. So that that's certainly something that I want to implement too. I mean, because I don't know what the future holds. Uh, but yeah, that's that's in the back of my head. Okay. And um just transitioning to um the current housing market, can you just kind of speak on um where it is right now? Um there's a lot of talk about, you know, is it the right time to buy? Um, should we wait? You spoke about uh, the crash back in 2008. I know a lot of people are saying they're waiting on the, the next crash. So, like, uh, just kind of speak on the current market um, right now. Uh, currently, man, it's kind of in, in – de- it depends, too, on what price point you're in. Uh, it's kind of shifting. Uh, it's shifting from a seller's market to a buyer's market. You see inventory uh, rising. You see at uh, certain price points. Uh, I think anything over maybe four hundred thousand dollars in DeSoto County, uh, 
it's more negotiating going on than it has been in the last couple of years. Uh, last couple of years have been crazy. Uh, inventory was down. Demand was out the roof. Uh, prices was going up. And it was a lot of things driving those factors. Uh, of course, like Keevan spoke on earlier, uh, basic economics. When you got low inventory and you got high demand for something, I mean, that's basic economics. The price going to shoot up. Um, so with that being said, it's kind of shifting. Uh, you see houses sitting on the market a little bit longer than what we've got accustomed to seeing the last two years or so. Uh, sellers are really kind of willing to do more negotiating. Uh, now, as far as what's being said about the market going to crash and et cetera, I don't have a crystal ball to that. I can say that it's different now than it was in 2008. Because uh, 2008, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it was a lot of like, I wouldn't call it predatory lending, but they were pretty much giving away uh, houses or whatnot with people not having any skin in the game, so they say. Mm -hmm. Now it's a little bit different. Uh, so I, I'm not going to say that it's going to crash and like it did back then. I, I don't really think that it's going to do that uh, but because it's, it's a different scenario. But the market is definitely changing. Uh, here yeah okay so so with, with that i know you mentioned like the four hundred thousand range um you know are houses still within reach for people who are let's say let's say if i if i if i stay in lower income housing right now and i decide that you know these last two years i've been blessed i've gotten a you know a good job or a better job or making more now and i want to move out and buy me a house so are houses would still within reach at the lower price points to where you can, you know, um, have some some equity put into a home versus an apartment or versus, you know, um, a lower income housing unit? Yeah, it just depends on what area you're looking in, uh, what price point you're looking in. Uh, here for about the past year and a half, the only thing that was uh, one of the reasons that was driving it as well is a lot of investors, a lot of hedge funds companies was coming in. And they was buying up a lot of properties that was $200,000 and under. Uh, so any normal Joe buyer, uh, if they didn't have the cash to compete with one of these hedge funds companies, man, it, it was hard. It was hard, man. It, it really, it, it was like, I ain't going to say impossible, but almost yeah, impossible. Lucky. Yeah, because it's hard to compete with. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a scenario. I had a, a seller uh, about a year ago that, uh, man, he, was like, I don't want to sell to one of these investors. I I, I would rather sell my house to a uh, somebody that's going to come in and occupy it. And I was like, hey, no problem. Whatever you whatever you want to do, big guy. So when those offers start coming in and, and you get something $25,000, $30,000 over list price that's cash, he went to scratch his head real quick and was like, hey, man, uh, I know I said, but like it, it was hard for buyers to compete with that, man. I know what I said. <laughs> so uh, that, that's kind of slowed down to a certain degree. Uh, like I said, man, they, they still there. It just depends on location and stuff. Uh, and then like this time of year, the holidays, a lot of people don't put houses on the market. It's not a whole lot. Of, it's still buying and selling, but not a whole lot because of the holidays. People don't want to be moving and stuff in, in the middle of the holidays. So uh, hoping to see. Uh, 
Miss Scrambling lad with this lad again. Yeah, yeah, Scrambling boy. You ain't you ain't normal though, Mac. I, I ain't gonna combat that. Okay, okay. Yeah, you, you, you don't see a whole. I'm not saying it don't happen, but you don't see a whole lot of it during the holiday season. Yeah. But uh, hopefully, after the first of the year, after the holidays, you know, gone past, you, you know, it, things jump back off. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, wait, wait, wait. No, I was just gonna uh, follow up to that. Like, I know, um, especially in the black community, right? Like, uh, it's, it's a lot that gets talked about, like owning versus renting. Um, and I just wanted your thoughts, you know, on that. Like, you know, is there, um, you know, is there a right scenario or right time where somebody might be renting? with the purpose, right? And then they're gonna, you know, move forward and, and try to buy a home. Uh, Man, I, I think this one of the things that, that basically de- deals uh, with a person's uh, personal situation. Uh, if they're gonna be renting, like say for instance, if you're gonna be renting somewhere and you know you're gonna be there for 10, 15 years, I would advise them to go ahead and save your money up and go ahead and purchase something uh, and start building equity. Now, if you if you're unsure about your situation uh, and you may move in the next three, four years, rent might be a better option for you. Um, like I said, that's that's a personal situation. You know, with rent is less maintenance. Uh, but you have to deal with, you know, the cost of higher rent every couple of years mm-hmm. with purchasing, you know, pretty much if you get a 15 or even 30 year mortgage, you know where your mortgage payment is going to be every year, but you have to take into consideration the, the maintenance on the home. Um, rent, you're not building any equity. So if you decide to move or, or do anything, you're not getting anything, you, you know, you're just packing up your stuff and leaving. But if you got a home, uh, you've built equity and if the market, is if your market value up on, is up on your home, then you could sell and you know probably make something off of it. Uh, like I said, it, it goes back again, man. It's to each one's personal situation. Uh, me personally, I've always uh, I guess because I knew I was staying put, but I always uh, just wanted to purchase and be done with it. Uh, but you know you have to look at the situation too. Uh, a lot of people think that they can't buy because really they, they don't know the process and they don't know how to put themselves in position to, to purchase a home. So, uh, I mean, there are programs out there, loans, uh, stuff available to help kind of help get you in and get you going on it. It's a perfect transition. Uh, <laughs> talk to us about some of the programs or, or different type of loans out there that, that may fit um, people Man. in different brackets. Okay, so like you got uh, government-backed loans, which are going to be like your FHA loans and VA loans for veterans. Uh, USDA. Yeah, USDA loans. Uh, USDA is a, is a good one. The only thing about a USDA loan, and I tell people this all the time, is you're, you have to buy in certain areas. It's, most of the time it's going to be rural areas. Mm-hmm. If you come out come to somewhere like DeSoto County, uh, you have to be like in Walls, uh, probably Nesbitt or on back south. Uh, a lot of times, uh, depending on what's going on, there are not a lot of homes in the USDA area. Uh, like now, I got a lady that's that's looking for one, and uh, we we just looking because we can't see, we ain't found nothing. 
But uh, I mean, it's it's a good if you if you trying to move to a rural area, if you trying to buy something in cold water, San Antonio, um, a very nice loan for someone to use. Like you can get 100 percent financing, uh, no down payment. Uh, VA is the same thing. Uh, Mac, I'm pretty sure you you know about that. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> so it helps. Uh, FHA is a good loan to start out. Uh, you can get get in as low as 3.5 percent. And in using numbers that I can equate fast, if you buy a hundred thousand dollar loan, I mean a hundred thousand dollar house, you can get in for like down payment of thirty five hundred. Uh, this is your down payment, uh, but it's going to depend on the lender too, because some lenders offer a conventional loan to where it's only three percent down, and on a conventional, uh, and really I got a lender now that I'm working with. Uh, they doing conventional loans for like a hundred, uh, like a hundred percent financing, no down payment. So really it's, it's like, it's like he was saying earlier, it's good to shop around to see which lender, uh, works best for you. A lot of times when I sit down and talk to people and they give me their scenario and they, and they truthful with me and tell me what they got going on, I can kind of point them in the right direction and say, Hey, you need to go talk to X, Y, Z. And they probably got a better plan for you. So what, uh, it's, it's stuff out there available, man. It's stuff out there available. Um, for those, the last one you mentioned, that hundred percent, Linda, you working with with the hundred percent back loan? I know, like with VA and and other loans, they're like sometimes there are funding fees. Is that that company? What what is the percentage? Nah, there's funding? no funding fee with uh with this one. It's actually uh hundred percent financing. Uh, of course, credit score plays a part in it. And if you qualify with this lender here, man, you can get up to $10,000 back in grant money. So if they got a, uh, and it's not, I, you know, they had so much money that they had to give back out to homeowners. I'm not sure how long it's going to last, but uh, right now it's, 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 a, it's a good program for first time buyers, man. Like I said, 100% financing, there's, there's no down payment. And if you qualify, you can get up to the highest amount is like $10,000 that you can get back uh, and you can use towards your closing costs or whatnot, or either you get a check back yeah. in the closing. Uh, and the only thing about that is, is certain areas that you have to buy in. So, yeah. So uh, Michi, um, in your time selling houses, does it make sense to purchase a foreclosed home or how difficult is it to purchase a foreclosed home? Um, uh, in my time selling, man, I've been in it about three years. Um, I hadn't dealt with a foreclosed home and reason being, like I said, right now, the way the market was, mm -hmm. uh, inventory was so low. A person really would have to be, I ain't gonna say crazy, but the way the market has been in, in lowest inventory, if you got to the point that where you see that you was about to foreclose, man, you probably still sell the house and make some money off of it and it come out in the clear or either worst case scenario come out in the clear. Uh, there hadn't been a whole lot of foreclosures on the market uh, lately. Not a whole lot. You might see one here and there, but like I said, again, uh, inventory has been so low and demand has been so high. A uh, person really would have to be crazy to foreclose because you can, you can put it on. If you got in this situation, you can put it on the market and sell it and you might not make very much money, but you probably could, could free yourself up from some debt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Go ahead man. No, I was just going um, in the comments. We had a question. 
um, about how the VA loan works. Can you just kind of break that down um, on how the VA loan works when getting a house? Yeah, VA, uh, I forget how long you have to be, but they give you, once you get ready, to, if you're going to go through the VA, they give you like a, a, a letter that you use. Uh, it's an eligibility letter. Yeah, eligibility letter. Once you get the eligibility letter, uh, they qualify you. Uh, VA is, is good because you get 100% financing and no down payment. Uh, but the only thing that you have to worry about is that funding fee. And usually the funding fee is, I think it's going to depend on the price of the house, but the funding fee, you can either roll it back over in your loan or depending on how the market is, you can get the seller to, to kind of pay those fees for you. So VA is for veterans. is it, real good for them, man. And the only thing about it, uh, it's like an FHA loan to a certain degree. But the only thing about it is like uh, the house, the, the VA program, the house has to be up to par. They're not going to put you in no house to where you got to go in and, and do work on the house and fix this and fix that. So pretty much you have to have a house that's already up to par or the seller has got to be willing to, to fix things that's needed before you close on it. And a lot of times uh, the VA appraisal process is a tad bit more stringent than the FHA or, or, or conventional. And that's the only thing about it. You just got to have a seller that's willing to make those repairs or choose a house that's already up to par. Yeah. I got a question right quick, me. Yeah. Can you say, talk, to, talk about like starter homes and also closing costs? Uh, what do you in, in what aspect to start home? What do you mean? <clears throat> like, uh, if somebody's just starting out, what what's a consider a good starter home as far as you know? If some I'm starting out with, I can't get exactly what I want, but like getting a condo, would that be a good starter home or going to get a three bedroom, two bath? Uh, that's going to depend on that person's uh person's situation. Uh, really, it's going to depend on how much they qualify for. So, with that, uh and of course, the qualification is going to depend on the income and their debt to credit ratio or whatnot. But if, if say for instance, if a person buying a starter home and they got a pretty good income and they qualify for $300,000, then you can get a pretty good starter home. And not to say that they got to spend $300,000, but like I said, that, that, that price point is going to depend on their uh, what they qualify for. Uh, starter homes, yeah, it's good to start out one. Condos, like I said, it's going to be personal preference. Um, also, shit, some like you said, personal preference. Well, first, I'm not a rich, but <laughs> um, you know, house just, just recent, recently buying a house, you know, some of the condos hired in the houses, yeah, the town yeah. hired, hired in the houses, so. Yeah. Uh, location plays a part, personal preference. Of yeah. And, I, and, um, and a big know, part of it, like I said, a big part, big part of it too is going to depend on how much that, that first time home buyer qualifies for. So that, that's a major factor in it. What, what was the other question you had? Uh, closing costs. Closing costs close, close normally run about uh, two and a half to 3% of whatever the purchase price is. Uh, closing costs are going to depend. I mean, going to include things like uh, your prepays on your insurance, uh, taxes, uh, whatever your down payment is sometimes included in that, whatever you pay your attorney for closing it out. 
Uh, what else is included? Title fees. Title fees, yeah, title fees, courier fees, uh, stuff of that nature. So they normally run around 25 to 3% of whatever your sales price is. And, and then you, you have some builders out here, they'll cover uh, 3% closing costs. Yeah, they will. My, yeah, my home, uh, when I bought mine, they was running that, that deal, and they covered 3% of my closing costs. And see, a lot, a lot of that, too, is going to depend on the market. Um, like I said, over the past couple of years, uh, in order to get closing costs paid, man, I mean, really, the last couple of years, man, it, it was hectic uh, for a person trying to buy a home. They had to pretty much have some money saved up for their own closing because you got to think about it. If you write an offer, if you wanted, if you wanted a house and you wrote an offer up on it and we was in a situation a lot of times where there were 10, 15 offers on there. If you ask for closing costs, you got 14 other offers that on the table, a lot of them over list price agreeing to pay their own closing costs and was et cetera. So it, it was a time uh, for a good bit of time that buyers were responsible for their own closing costs. Now the market is kind of shifting a little bit. Uh, sellers are more willing to pay closing costs and, it's, I ain't going to say it's easy, but it's, you know, you can get that negotiated and your deal. Yeah. Me, oh. Can you talk about uh, how important is pre-approval? And, and does uh, Meech, does Big Meech show any houses before he get the pre-approval? <laughs> I, I, I bet you Little Meech don't. Hey, <laughs> Little Meech did when he first got started. Yeah, he was out here trying to get going. Ramon. 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 Okay, my bad. Okay, okay, Ramon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, but pre approval is, is very important, man. And, and why I say that is because uh, I, when, when I first got into real estate, man, I was eager to get going. So uh, a couple times I jumped out there quick and a person came to me and wasn't pre qualified. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I ain't gonna say green, but I'm, I'm trying to get going. I'm trying to get a sale. So I'm like, hey man, come on, let's go do this. So it, it, it stops me from wasting my time. It stops you from wasting your time. Uh, and then too, is it, it stops a lot of window shopping because if you out here looking at at, at four hundred thousand dollar houses, but you only approved for three fifty, you know that's that's a big big gap. And I, and I tell people who come to me and want to buy, hey, go ahead and get pre pre qualified. Uh, a lot of times, man, uh, people are not upfront about stuff that they got going on financially. Uh, they have you running around this and that and just to find out that they can't buy uh, for whatever reason. But getting pre-qualified with the right lender stops a lot of that. Uh, it stops you from window shopping. It, it sets real expectations on what you can buy. Uh, I tell people when they go get pre-qualified, don't just go get a number uh, to go and find out that you you pre-qualified for $300,000, but also set a budget because a lot of times what happens too, uh, they go get pre-qualified, but they don't ask how much the note is on a $300,000 house. They don't run the scenarios. Yeah, and so it's so your, your budget, you know, you, you don't got pre-qualified for, for, for $300,000, but you only want to spend $1,200 a month so you shopping for three hundred thousand dollar houses, but you got a twelve hundred dollars budget. But the note on that three hundred thousand dollar house is gonna be about twenty five hundred. So mm -hmm. you know, don't don't just get pre qualified, but also you know, tell your tell your lender to set you a budget. Tell them what you want to spend a month. Uh, 
So you can make a, a realized decision on, on what you want to spend as far as a house. Get that breakdown per hundred thousand. Don't don't just get pre-qualified, get pre-quantified too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that boy said a word. A word. He, he Googled that job. Meet you talking. <laughs> hey, but meet you. Um, I just wanted to ask. Um, we always talking about building a house from the ground up, right? Like like there's any other way you can build a house. Like <laughs> talk to the person out there. <laughs> <laughs> talk to that person out there that's ready to um, walk through that process like I need to buy a piece of land I need to like how, how does that process um, get started uh, man I'm going to tell you something I've had a couple people or several people a lot, quite a few people that talk to me about wanting to buy land and build from the ground up so with that process, it, it's good uh, if you you financially stable to do that. And why I say that, it's a tad bit different from uh, getting your own land, building uh, versus going to a subdivision and let a contractor build from the ground up. Uh, reason being, a lot of times these contractors that are building in these subdivisions, uh, you can put a contract on a home and just pay your earnings money and they're going to go ahead and build the money. Uh, buying your own land, you got to go get what's called a construction loan. Uh, for any construction loan that you get, the bank is going to require you to pay 20% down. So say, for instance, uh, you're building a $100,000 house. You don't want to buy your land and you want to build a $100,000 house. When you go get that construction loan, they're going to require 20% down. That, that's $20,000 down. A lot of people are not prepared for that. So, a lot of times when we have those discussions, uh, they all forego and buying land and building a house till they get to that part. Unless you got a contractor that's going to build a house for you and then you gonna come, come back and, and pay them on the back end, which, I mean, I'm not going to say it. I, I have seen it, uh, but it's but it's, it's not a whole lot of money that's going to uh, spend that money and build you a house and take a chance on you being able to close on it at the end of the process. I wonder if we'll be able to do that for me. I want to build a house. That's a good point. I wonder if we'll be do that for me. I want to build from the ground up. Who it is? Uh, I think I think old Kush gonna want his money. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 he ain't gonna pull that trigger back there for that. <laughs> Go ahead, Keith. I was gonna say one thing too. We talking about one, one way you can do that if you purchase the land and then just go and pay the land off, say in five, six, seven years, then you put the land up for collateral. Without you taking no money out your own pocket, that's another way you can do yeah, it. Yeah, that's another way you can do it, and, and yeah. see, that's going to depend on how much land you got and the value of it too. Mm -hmm. uh, if the value of that land is going to be twenty percent of what uh, you talking about building, then yeah, that is yeah. a valuable option. Yeah, I think uh, like you said, how financially stable you are is still important. Because what I what I recently learned about the loan, um, talking to some people I know is uh, waiting on the builder to finish, and then it took longer than expected. Mm -hmm. The house was supposed to be done last year, didn't get finished to this year. Yeah, I, I think we know that same person. Uh, right. Same, so, yeah, yeah, we probably talking about the same. Well, I'm finna talk about the same person. Uh, yeah, I know that yeah. No names. Yeah. But, but um, I think it's important for people to understand, like, you, you get quoted an interest rate from last year, which was low as yeah. hell, and then it take the, the builder 
certain amount of time to finish the house and now the market has changed and your interest rate is way more than you budgeted for. So that's probably important to, to discuss prior to building from the, the ground up. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, she, one of our close homeboys dealt with that here, here recently. Uh, if he, if the builder would have finished the house in the time frame that he that he originally told him or, or that was contracted out, he would have been in a good position. But the builder actually took about what six to eight months longer, and interest rate had went up. And it, I think originally he was quoted eleven, twelve hundred dollars a month. Uh, now versus probably eighteen, two thousand. So you you talking about a, a six hundred dollar gap? in between because the builder was jerking around or whatnot. So yeah. And and so for for ones who are listening, don't know what we're talking about, um, that rate is locked in when that house is done, when you're building from the ground up. Or and actually we, you can lock it in about 45 days, 45 days. To, about 45 yeah. to six. Or I mean if you want to spend some little money, you can uh if you got a good you can you can you can pay a, a rate lot to yeah. for the build I mean for the uh, lender to hold that rate. Uh <laughs> but you're gonna be looking at a little change. Yeah, and when you, when you go the other route, Michi, you're looking at most lenders do like a 90 day interest lock, right? When you go the other route and not build from the ground up. Yeah, yeah, because I, I know mine was like 90 days. I had 90 days to the side. Yeah, how much money are you looking at for a rate lock if the, if they do that? Uh, how much the house is? It, yeah, it's gonna be to be depend on purchase price, and then uh, like I had a buyer back here a couple months ago that uh had to have her rate lock extended. She was looking at like maybe $400 every two weeks. Every two weeks? Yeah. Ooh. Unlock yeah. the rate, man. <laughs> Unlock the rate. <laughs> Unlock what, 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 so, <laughs> yeah, so you you know, you consider that factor in, man. Hey, it, it can get costly. I thought you were finna tell me a one-time fee. My boy said 400 every two weeks. Yeah, about 400 every two weeks. Hey, Mick, is, uh, is that with that rate lock? Is that uh, you paying the interest on the loan already? Uh, I forget how that goes. Uh, what you're doing is pay, you paying to like interest rates had shot up to the almost six and a half, almost seven percent. I think she had it locked for like uh, four and a half, maybe five percent. And I think the feds had shot the race up and it was going you, to you, you talking on a, on shoot on her, on her price point. It was gonna shoot that house note up, uh, man. Probably about eight, nine hundred dollars more than what she had anticipated. So it was more beneficial for her to pay that money to to lock that rate in. And I think yeah. what you're doing is you're just paying them to to lock the rate in to, to hold it for you. Probably the difference in what they're gonna be. Yeah, paying. I forget the exact number it was. It was a certain percentage of. Uh, I forget how they went. I had to go back and look at that paperwork. But yeah, what you paying just for it to hold that rate to hold that rate in? Yep. Yeah. So, um, uh -huh. Michi, um, uh, next thing is, I know we're on the, on the call talking about buying cars and buying houses. And, uh, so Keith, you got to take a back seat on this one because if, if a person's looking to buy a car and buy a house, ideally you want to buy the house first, right? Yeah. And for, and for what reasons, if you, if you want to share? Uh, when a lender runs your credit to pre-qualify you, He's going to do, he, of course, he's going to look at your income, but he's also going to look at what you got coming in versus what you already got going out. If you got a car note on there already, it's going to affect your buying power. Uh, a five, $600 car note, uh, 
could knock you out of contention for, for the house that you want. Um, I'm trying to remember how this goes. Like they take your total income and they multiply by like 31%. And you know, that's the, the house that you, the house note that you can afford. But then they also come back and do another thing where they do about 43% and they start taking like child support, uh, car notes, everything except for your utility bills. And they do what they call uh, a cost approach to see how much you can afford. So having that extra debt uh, as far as a car note or whatnot, uh, just depending on what your income bracket is, it could kind of affect your buying power. Yeah. So I always tell people, they're looking at, hey, I want to purchase a house right now, but I need a car. Get that house first. Get the house you want. And I mean, you can, they, most of the time what I see, they're going to find a way to get you in that, in that car. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, if you listen to that house, depending on your time, depending on your situation, I'm going to give you an example. Like this is your past year, I had a guy, uh, he already had a car note and the engine blowing in his car. And him and his wife in the process of buying the house. And he came like, what I need to do? Because he's like, I ain't got no car to go to work. Can't go to work. Ain't going to be able to get my house. So I traded him out of it and I just got him a cheap enough car where the payment went down. So his debt to income ratio didn't go up. So mm -hmm. he was already good on his pre-approval and everything, and he was able to get the car. Three months later, he closed on his house. That so, takes. Uh, I ain't mean to cut you off. I just want yeah. like for people tuning in, like the amount of honesty that it takes from that buyer, though. Like he was yeah. upfront with you. He told you exactly what he had going on, so you know yeah. what you needed to do to put him in position. But a yeah. lot of our people ain't gonna do that. So like, it's very important, like that you don't miss that part of. Yeah, and see, I, I kind of touched on it earlier. Like when you sit down, like when you even like buying a car, buying a house. Uh, a lot of times, when when you sit down and talk to people, especially you know people trying to buy, they're not upfront about their financial situation. If they need help, they don't just come out and say it for whatever reason. But like if you like truthful about your financial situation, uh, and I and I understand, uh, you know, I get it. But if you truthful, you know, it only helps me, so I can know how to help you. Yeah, but with, yeah. with, with, with that buying a house is uh it's that shit is invasive. People yeah. gotta know, like I don't think people understand yeah. that it's invasive. Mm -hmm. They they want to see your bank statements. Bank yeah. Statement. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's if you're a regular job. Don't be don't be self employed. Yeah, nah, don't be self employed. They want to see two years <laughs> worth of tax return. They want to see every bank statement. Uh, mm -hmm. Man, it it gets uh it gets tedious. So and I, and I, I, I use I use the analogy sometimes that were like, man, look, they were like, why why they want so much? Why they asking for this? Why they asking for that? I was like, think about it, man. If you finna lend somebody three hundred thousand dollars, if you gonna do your due diligence, make sure they can pay you back. That's yeah, what yeah. You they, can't they me my money back. What you talking about? But, then, <laughs> but 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 to that point, though, Meech, and I, I know Eric, you about to. How important um, is it to you know build that relationship um, with your personal bank so that when that that time does come, they know, you know, your spending habits and, you know, going in. I know we, everybody uses the ATM. Like, I don't know when the last time I've been inside of a bank to really, really do business, but how important is that as well? Just building that relationship um, with a bank before, before the time comes to get um, pre-approved. Uh, this is very important. Uh, so they can, like a lot of times what they do when they're asking for your bank statement, when they're going through the underwriting process, they're asking for these bank statements, et cetera, so they can see how your spending habits are. 
just if you got the money, if you're making the money, but you spending it expeditiously on they 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 gonna see all that because that's why they asking for them bank statement. They want to look and see. So it is it's really important for for you to sit down with a lender or somebody like myself who can point you in the right direction and get you on track to make sure that hey you close on this home that you want. Yeah, and, and to that point, Meech, they they only they not only look at that, but they look at like um, large amounts deposited into their bank account. Yeah, that don't make that don't make sense. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, they, yeah, they want to make sure. Yeah, you ain't funneling no money, or mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. Somebody giving you a lot of money, they want to see what you got going on. Yeah, and, and they looking at, they looking at them check stubs mm-hmm. uh, for somebody that's self employed. They looking at them taxes because that's how they verify that income. And if you got Making twenty five hundred dollars a month or whatnot, but you got deposits are coming in at five thousand. Hey, they gonna know where that money coming from. Yeah. You know, so buying a house, man, uh, you can't use no mattress money. Uh, what about dope money? Same thing. <laughs> this what we call mattress money. Hey, Meech. So how uh, how important? I know we just got through talking about cars, and we talk about don't buy a car and I don't want people to think they can't buy a car. Um but when you're under contract or or you know you you're in the buying process, is, can you go get a loan for don't buy credit card nothing. or anything? Don't buy nothing. Yeah. Can I run my credit for for anything while I'm under contract? Uh pull my credit again before closing. Is is yeah they're gonna pull your credit again. Uh man really like I, I had these conversations with, with my buyers uh don't buy anything. Don't finance anything if you can help it. Uh, reason being, if you go put $3,000 worth of furniture on your credit card and they pull your credit a day or two, and, and some lenders really, really, and they'll tell you are closing. Like, don't buy nothing for two weeks afterward because they're going to go back and pull your credit again. Uh, but you got to think about it. If you go buy uh, $3,000 or $4,000 worth of furniture and put it on a card two days before closing, that's going to raise your debt to credit ratio. Uh, and it could affect you. I have seen it like it knock you out of contention for getting in the house. So I, 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 I can't stress that enough to my, my clients. Like, Hey, if you can just wait, wait, I was, uh, we just was wait. We was in the process of selling our first home in Alabama. This was when I was in Hawaii or whatever. Um, the guy that was buying the house was, he was rented from me already. So we got got him a lender, he got pre-approved everything, and down there by the time he got ready to get the clothes and he bought a car. <laughs> Couldn't buy the house. Um and so for us, we was about to buy in Hawaii, and it, it was like it was in Hawaii, it was so competitive. I was on the waiting list, right? And so I got a call, like, hey, these people moving, they're not gonna be able to get the house. So you up next, you got 48 hours to respond. If you respond, we need three thousand down today. We need another three thousand in thirty days. But for that price, it was contingent upon us selling our house and yeah. uh, for the VA loan anyway. Mm-hmm. It was contingent upon us selling the house in Alabama. So I'm like, cool. You got this person buying the house. He's situated, whatever. But for whatever reason, I had this feeling like, yo, I don't, I don't trust this. I'm gonna just back out. So we backed out. But I was like, still gonna sell the house anyway. Um, so we backed out. And shit, like two weeks later, I get a call from uh the realtor, and he was like, "Yo, um, they bought a house, so the mortgage company uh backed out." 
So they, they're car. not going to be able to purchase. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, he bought a car. Yeah. So they backed out. And, yeah. And the crazy uh, shit is, like, he the next month, he still owed me rent. He was still rent from me. So it, it ain't hurt me um, <laughs> to that extent. He had the money, but it's just like, that's just how it go. Like, it affected the whole process. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of times it does. And like I said, man, I, I sit down with people. Uh, I had uh, a couple uh, a couple weeks ago. Well, not a couple weeks, a couple months ago. Uh, I had been working with them throughout the whole process of when they got the credit straight, um, helping find a home or whatnot. And they actually had one built. And uh, the guy was like, man, uh, man. He, they had misspent no money. He, he's a funny dude. He said, uh, "Man, can we can we like go out to eat?" <laughs> I, was like, I was like, "Yeah, man, y'all can go out to eat. You know, life, but just don't go finance anything that's gonna knock you out of contention." Yeah. So uh, we got to the closing table. Uh, he like, "Man, I can't wait this over with, man. I'm gonna leave here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna buy me some mattresses for my bed." So I said, uh, man, you might want to wait for you do that because uh, I'm pretty sure they're gonna tell you here in a minute. Uh, they're gonna go through the paperwork. They're gonna tell you to to wait. Uh, at least two weeks because they could go back and check your credit to see how your spending is. He's like, man, you mean I can't go buy these mattresses? No, nah, buddy, you might want to wait on the mattress for a minute. You know, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait on mattress. Yeah. Hey, Mitch, um, I got a question, man. What, how difficult is it to, to get like a second mortgage? Like, if I decided that I wanted to sell my house or rent my house and buy another house, how difficult is that? Not difficult as long as you can show that. Uh, you can afford it. It's even within your income. Okay, so I guess as a follow-up question, if I'm gonna throw a number out there, if my if my mortgage is fifteen hundred and I go buy another house that's two thousand, and I'm showing that I'm gonna rent this house out, then I still need to be able to pay thirty five hundred or pay the two thousand and yeah, unless normally how that's gonna go, uh. You're going to have to show that you are making enough to afford uh, both of them Okay. on the front end. Uh, now, say, for instance, if you are in your first house and you want to rent it out and say, for instance, go get an apartment for a, a number of while, what you could do is rent that house out. And a lot of times now they're going to want to see it on your taxes as far as you showing that that's a rental income. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know what I'm saying it could balance your debt to credit ratio up off uh, so it, it, it'll look like an asset versus a liability yeah okay yeah um, when you do that that insurance change and them yes, sir. yes sir all that change so, um, just following up on what Eric just asked like you know you hear you know a lot of talk about people out here flipping houses like um is that something you would recommend to somebody who's maybe looking to get in real estate but don't necessarily want to go get a license to become a realtor? Um, yeah, yeah, of course, there's pro, pro, pros and cons to everything. Flipping houses is uh, it, it's cool and, and really like this. It's going to depend on the location of the house uh, a great deal. Uh, it's going to depend on the market. Like coming out of a market that we was just in six months ago, you could have invested in a house, uh, put a little bit in it, rehab a little bit, and, and turn around, sold it, got your money back out of it quick. Um, the market's kind of changing. Not to say that you still can't make money in it, but it, the only thing with flipping, you want to make sure that you get the house at a price to where uh, you are covered on the rehab process and still be able to 
excuse me, mark the house up to where you can make a little money off of it. That's gonna be the only thing. Okay. So so when you say that uh scenario, if I could find a twenty thousand dollar house and it's gonna cost me thirty thousand in labor and parts, that's me spending fifty thousand. If I can sell a house for seventy five, it makes sense. But if I sell the same house for fifty thousand, ain't no point in doing because I'm breaking nah, it. Ain't no point in doing it. You just really just spin your wheels. Yeah. Uh, you want to get the house. Like I said, when you look at it, uh, when you go look at the house, man, you got to have a contract on your team to really go and look at the house, tell you what it's going to cost to get it up to par like you want it. Um, you look at that number, you look at what you're paying for the house, and you look at the the market value of what the house could be in, in, in a good condition and kind of go from there. Um if you are not making a, a certain number, it, it doesn't make sense because you, 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 if you're going to be flipping houses, I'm pretty sure you're going to be in it to try to make money off of it. So you want to get it to where uh, you can purchase the house, rehab it, and still be able to sell it and, and make a, a decent amount of money off of it. Yeah. So, um, Jake, Mac, y'all got any more specific questions to meet you? I got one. Um, it may be. Uh, I know Meach deal with it as a realtor. I don't know how much Kevin deal with it as a finance. Kevin deal with it as a finance manager. But can you talk to uh, talk to us about underwriting? Uh, yeah. Uh, I hear questions all the time. Uh, when they, you know, when a buyer is going through the underwriting process, you know, they may ask for uh, this. They may ask for this. You may have submitted bank statements or whatnot they're gonna ask for them again uh really the underwriter process is just really they just the underwriter process is just to make sure that your credit criteria your job ain't changed that really they're just making sure that you're gonna that you're gonna be able to pay them back that money uh yeah. that's that's the underwriter's job just to make sure that they cross their t's and dot their i's on on your credit history and accept your job history and all that to make sure you're gonna be able to pay them back that little money that's the underwriter's job so they so, just verifying, verifying yeah, pre approval. Yeah, it's yeah, like a, 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 a step, yep. a stepping stone, if you will, um, for yeah. people that don't know. It's like you get pre approved, but then once you get the underwriting, they they really looking at the details. Yeah, say, that, that, okay, that, that pre qualification, and if you read the fine print, being pre qualified doesn't mean that you. If you pre approve, that's different from being pre qualified. If you mm -hmm. pre approve, then you've already went through the underwriting process. They don't check that all your criteria, you good. But if you pre qualified, they still got some turn uh, some stones to turn over or whatnot. And so they don't, check, they don't check all that. Even with pre approved, um, I know they so underwriting right. I've seen recently like where people get to underwriting. Thinking they're good, and then they get done writing, and they asking for all these different things uh, to to make sure that the deal could close. And could, could that uh, extend the process or, or change the closing date? Uh, it could. I've seen it happen. Like, say, for instance, if there's a discrepancy on your credit that they found a couple years ago, uh, it's a situation where either you're going to have to prove that you paid that off or you're going to get the money and pay it off before they close on their loan. So, uh, yeah, it, it could. It could. I, I've seen them, you know what I'm saying, underwriters maybe dragging their feet or something about two or three days from closing and then something pop up. Yeah. 
And so it, it happens. It happens. Yeah, keep, keep, keep it on your end. Is anything different from the underwriter? Well, most time, you know, I'd, I'd be considered the underwriter verifier, make sure you know income is legit and stuff before I submit it to the bank and everything. Uh, then when they get to the bank, they'll verify again to double check. But we won't have like a straight up underwriter like that. Now, yeah, when we come to find out, they say you come in, say, Oh, yeah, I got a, uh, I got a job, I work here, blah blah blah. We don't verify that. Man, a couple of you do the car, we sign those papers, and you leave. And a couple of days later, we find out you got no job and call your job. They say you don't work there. We're going to bring the car on back. So they can void the, the loan. Yep. Yes, sir. I, yep. I think the uh, underwriting process for mortgages is probably a tad bit more tedious than yep. yeah, it, it is. Because it yeah. it's a lot bigger loan, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I want to speak on something you mentioned. Uh, you were saying something about self-employed. I, w- I want to say something about that people who are self-employed. Your business bank account is not your personal bank account. And when you self-employed, your proof of income, since you're not a W-2 employee yet, your, it's your bank account, your personal bank account, not your business bank account. So make sure you separate the two. Yeah, and so that, that's what uh, that's why I was asking too. When we're done, we just meet so open for him right now because um, keeping you open that door. Um, but my question was going to be to you, if I, if me or anybody else wanted to come and buy a vehicle um, or a, a work vehicle, whether it's a you know a small car or a dually truck, and you put that on your on your business account, you know I know you say it's separate from your personal account. How difficult is that to do when you already have a personal personal note? Do you have to go LLC, the LLC route? Do you have to, you know, apply with credit? What's that process like? You frozen. <laughs> I think the key is you can't ask him nothing. He's been doing fine this whole time. I know, right? <laughs> cool when they do it. When I do it, it's a problem. Probably I do it. <laughs> But, but, but now, what, I, what I was saying was to that point on the uh, personal versus business bank account. If somebody come and buy a vehicle for business purposes, do they use just the bank's information, or do they also look at your personal stuff? Now it depends on if your business has credit or not. If you just getting started out, your business ain't got credit, right? So you're gonna have to sign on as a personal guarantor on that loan to back that loan up uh, for your business. You know, so no PG, man, no PG. <laughs> So they're looking like that. And typically, you know, uh, business loans are higher rates than your personal as well because they consider more risky, you know. But uh, they will consider your uh, business account as far as then, but also your personal or how you pay yourself as well. Gotcha. Okay. We had we had a question in the comments uh, from Darrell Mitchell. Keevan, for you, uh, he's, he asked, does a Mississippian need a state issue driver's license to purchase or finance a vehicle for work or medical needs? All right. Uh, in Mississippi, you can purchase a vehicle without a driver's license. Now, as far as finance, it depends on the company. There's where, you know, Mac was talking about earlier being honest and being straightforward. If you come to me like, hey, I don't have a driver's license. I want to get a car. Now I can know which lender I can go to to help you out. Or even what insurance company. I got some insurance company you can get insured without having a driver's license too. But be straightforward and let me know what I'm dealing with, then I can help you out. I didn't know that. 
I didn't either. I ain't either. What insurance that you get? <laughs> <with that life? laughs> I need to apply for a job with them. <laughs> they want you to ride there, don't shit going on over there. <laughs> yeah. Anybody, um, anybody else out there got any questions? Um, we're getting ready to wrap up. And uh like I said, gentlemen, man, we thank y'all for uh man, y'all dropping gems uh tonight. And uh, we definitely hope people are taking heed to this going into the new year. Um, so, uh, you know. Uh, hey man, I'm, I'm going to tell you all one of the things I wanted to mention. Uh, as far as like these house payments or whatnot, a lot of people, you know, I tell people this all the time, too. A lot of people don't know if you sign up for like a, a biweekly mortgage payment. Uh, most of the time, how this is going to happen is. Uh, they're going to deduct, like if your mortgage payment is $1,000 a month, they're going to deduct $500 out every two weeks. Uh, there are two months in a year that has five weeks. Uh, at the end of the year, you're making one principal payment towards your mortgage. Uh, over time, that knocks like seven years off, off of a 30-year mortgage. Uh, it cuts interest off, saves you money. So I want to shoot that out there too because a lot of people don't don't realize that um, you know, tax time come instead of going buying them 26s, pay the money back in and pay on the principal. Um, if you can't afford to pay a few hundred dollars more, get a 15 year mortgage versus a 30 year mortgage. Uh, just, just a few little nuggets, man. For if you out there, if you know, you want to purchase a home and you want to save some money over uh, the term of that, that mortgage. Yeah. I think so, it, 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 you told me you did like a 10 year mortgage on your house. Then. Big I wish. I wish. <laughs> now, what I, now, now what I said is, I don't plan on being in this mother more than 10 years. <laughs> you know what else you said? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. But now what, what I what I did, and I don't mind sharing, I, I did a 30 year because, um, you know, my current position, my current situation, you know, every two to three years I'm moving to work. So I'm like, you know, I don't know where I'll be three years from now, but when we get to the point we know we're selling down and it'll make sense to me just point to do that 15 year mortgage, uh, saving that interest. But you can also pay up Principal amounts and, and cut that in, cut that down too. And I actually, uh, we I didn't we didn't ask this, um, but I meant to bring this up. Refinancing, you know, we talked about conventional loans. We talked about all these different loans. So, so you you have for a lot of people who are first time home buyers, you have the PMI. Mm-hmm. Yep. So meet you and I, and I let you touch on what the PMI is, but it's it's basically uh, insurance that's going in your mortgage. This this interest is capitalized on top of it. But basically, I've gotten from under my PMI by refinancing um, our, our home loan, our mortgage, and it, it really cut it cut it down like four or five hundred dollars. So, me, I let you touch on that. Uh, yeah, PMI is private mortgage insurance. It, it's set up; the buyer pays it, but it's set up to uh, as a protection for the mortgage company just in case you default on your loan. Uh, once your and it, it, it's it's going to be on any home. It's going to be on any home that like on a traditional mortgage where you don't put the, the 20% down. Mm-hmm. So um, they're going to set you up with private mortgage insurance. Uh, you pay that private mortgage insurance until you get paid at 20% in. So normally it's around 10, 11 years, unless you're paying in uh, extra on your principal or the value of your home increases by more than that 20%. 
you can refinance and have it. Uh, what they'll do if, if your home value has shot up, you could call your mortgage company, tell them, say, hey, uh, I think the value of my home is up high enough uh, to where the private mortgage is going to drop. What they're going to do is they're going to send a a appraiser or a broker out to do a uh, appraisal or a uh, broker price opinion, BPO on it. And if the value of your house is up enough, then you can get that PMI dropped off your home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- that's exactly what I did. And, uh, and, I, and I tell you, I don't know how you guys feel about rocket mortgage in the uh, mortgage industry, but, um, but what I, I would have looked it. Hey, hey, I can tell you, they, they, um, they, they are one of them who will reach out to you. And we talk about you the can comp- do what you want. We, 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 we talked about the competition earlier, but um, they would do that same process. And then when other companies know that they're doing it, they'll come out and do it too. So, yeah. So, so you're, yeah. you're then competing to get your home refinanced. Uh-huh. So, so if you if you have a home that you've had within the last 12 months, when Rocket Mortgage start calling you leaving voicemails, then you call your people and say, I need y'all to look at this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we got a question um, in the comments. Uh, Andrea, if a couple is buying a house together, should the one with the better credit score, um, should the home be in that person's name? So I guess you know, uh, uh, it, it, that's, that's going to depend on their personal situation. Uh, if the person now, of course you want the person with the better credit score on there, but I've seen situations to where the person with the better credit score didn't necessarily generate the most income. So that's going to depend on what price point you're trying to buy in, you know, what's going to suit you. Um, if all that possible, um, I kind of like, like I said, everybody's situation is different, but if all is possible, I try to tell, especially when couples to put it in one person's name, if that person's income is high enough uh, to where you can purchase a house that, that's going to be suitable for you and your family. That way you leave the other person's credit open to do other things is both of y'all name not tied up on the house. So yeah. like I said, that, that situation is going to depend on a uh, person's uh, personal situation. And then can, can I answer that question? Yeah, go ahead. Andrea, whichever one of y'all ain't gonna put the other one out when y'all get mad. This is just a If you go put him out when you get mad, let him put it in his name. <laughs> well, you know, you know, then that just depends on too what state you're in. Because if you married, uh a lot of times, mm-hmm. like even if that that person's if the loan is not in that person's name, they still got rights. Yeah, they still got rights because they married. Because you know they got to go, they got to go to closing. Just like even though their name is not on their loan, they got to go closing. Just like you do the sign. So yeah, yeah. that deed, deed is in their name, just not the loan. Yeah, and I th- this is a question um, I pointed at you and Keevan. Um, I don't think we touched on it tonight, but just the kind of the pros and cons of co-signing for a house, co-signing for. A, uh, a vehicle. So I, me, me, you, uh, I'll let you take that first, and then who <laughs> me? Yeah, I'll hey. let you take that first, and then Kevin, you can uh, talk about uh, the dangers right. of co-signing when it comes to a vehicle. Me, me personally, I ain't put my name on nothing for nobody. <laughs> uh, now, now, if it's a situation with one of my kids, uh, I add them to my credit card or whatnot to go ahead and get their credit established earlier, mm-hmm. early. 
and hope that uh, the apple don't fall too far from the tree when it comes to paying the bills on time and keeping the credit uh, up to par. But me personally, I worked too hard over the years uh, to keep my credit established. And I, I, I'm sorry, but I ain't co-signing for nothing. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things. And, and hey, I'm going to get credit to my father for this. Uh, when I was young, uh, I came home from uh, college where I had been jackballing around and I, I wanted a car. And he was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to take you down here. I'm going to co-sign for you uh, to get this car. He said, you pay them folks. You're going to be able to get whatever you want. But if you mess it up, you on your own. <laughs> hey, guess I can't get Nikki to co-sign for me, man. Shit. <laughs> nah, but, you, but but with that, man, you have you have to be careful about about co-signing, man. Uh, you you really do. And like I said, me personally, uh, I ain't, I ain't, I'm I'm not co-signing for nobody. Uh, like I said, even with my kids, I'm gonna try to have them in a situation to where their credit is already established. Uh, you, I'm gonna teach you the importance of credit at a young age, so that you understand how to use it, not to overuse it uh, or whatnot. But as far as me, nah, man, uh, I don't, I don't see too many situations go wrong to where a person don't had to accumulate a lot more debt because they trusted somebody to, to put their name on their paperwork for them. Not me. Yeah. Not little bills. Keep not keeping. I'll let you take it. I know you probably okay. see every day, man. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it's yeah, asking for both of it. <laughs> uh, you don't want to ask for it. You got co sign. <laughs> you throw away. <laughs> hey, hey, if, if, if I was thinking, if I was thinking, when y'all asked me that, I would need it too. <laughs> Boy, <Tina's> <laughs> Uh, some pros and cons. One pro, you, you, somebody can help get a little interest to go and get somebody in the car. And if you co-sign for somebody on the car, you're responsible. You saying if they don't make their payment, I'll be responsible for making that payment. You know. So um, and this one thing, not, not have, but the whole payment, but the whole entire payment, and it do affect your credit. It can affect your credit for the good or for the bad. So. Um, do you got to stay with them the whole car loan? Be co signed for the whole car loan for the whole five or six years? No, you can just do it for a year if they make their payments and get refinanced. If they yeah. do what they're supposed to do, but that's a very, you know, it's risky. So, you know, your situation with somebody you trust you can co sign for, you know, everybody's tolerance is different. Uh, different. I'm, I'm more like me, I ain't co sign for nobody, dog. What about uh, what about a, say you're gonna buy your kid a car? You gonna buy it? You gonna finance it if it, you know, if it's enough to finance, and they're of age to drive, whatnot? Should you put them on there then, so that since you're buying the car anyway, so it could yeah, be that, a good idea? Them. I see a lot of customers do that. People who are more established with credit, and they say they, they kid is over eighteen or nineteen or something like that. They in college, they want to buy them a car. They will put them on the auto loan to go and build credit. For me, said that's the way to do it too on the credit cards. Put, uh, yeah, yeah, that's authorized you know what I do. Yeah, authorized you. Authorized you. Yeah, they help too. But also that the, uh, if you you gonna pay the car and you can put them on the loan, they help get the credit because um, somebody can have a credit card, uh, like credit cards, right? Have a seven fifty credit score and can come in and still get declined no on auto loan. Yeah. Why is that no high credit? 
man. Stop asking the man questions, man. Stop asking them questions, bro. <laughs> Let him come from the hill. <laughs> I don't know if anybody can answer this. Probably a tax professional question this, right this here. Is, this is the hide and hide and go seek episode of Sticks and Stones. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was asking. You was asking about that. You said seven fifty credit score. That still could be, you know, denied as long as that because of the high credit. Given it that their debt to credit or debt to income ratio is sufficient. Y'all ain't listening to me. All right, bro. I ain't got no. I ain't got no. I'm back now. Come on, Keith. Come on, Keith. All right. So uh, focus in. Like I told you back in 2005. They don't finish, boy. Stop again. <laughs> if uh, your car, if you had credit card, uh, credit, and you only got like a thousand dollar limit or two thousand dollar limit, right? And you can still come in and have a 750 credit score, but still get declined on a thirty thousand dollar car loan because you don't have you know enough credit. You know, the credit cards revolving debt. You know, you need an installment loan to help really build it. So if you do have, if your if your parents can get you a car. Lobby. Okay, if it was public, why it don't stay on twenty four seven? Yeah, hey, I, it, I, why he on? Why he on freeze up? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have uh, hey, let me throw this out there real quick. Uh, every few months, uh, me and one of my business partners, we do home buyer seminars for homes, first time home buyers. Uh, we usually market it online, but but what we do is we sit down and we usually bring in lenders, uh, closing attorneys, uh, inspectors, home inspectors, or whatnot to go over the home buying process from A to Z and kind of educate people who've never bought homes to you know bring them up to speed on what I was going to take. So um, we we hadn't set the next date, but if you follow my Facebook business page or personal page, uh, Instagram, whatnot, be on the lookout for those classes. It really helps informs uh, first time home buyers about the process. Uh, it makes it a little smoother for them too when they get ready to purchase a home. And when, when you get that info, Meach, can you send it to us so we can put it on the show too? For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. All right, um, Keith, bring us home, Keith. <laughs> hey, man. All right, man. It's a wrap, man. Hey, look, one of the criteria for coming on Sticks and Stones is you got to have viable internet. Don't bring me back over here with nobody who ain't got no, no credit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got to, hey, hey, we got to have underwriting. We got to implement underwriting for <laughs> Hey, hey, hello, 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 he back. Let's, let's I'm back now. Let's, all right, he back now. Hey, let's get this one question. Ricky Rose had this question. Yeah. All right. He said, uh, when writing off a commercial vehicle on your business taxes, is it true that um, there's a weight requirement on the vehicle and the total price to count towards the tax credit? Yeah. Uh, it's certain perks for uh, you buying getting a commercial vehicle for uh, your taxes. If a weight requirement, if I remember right, I think it's, I know it's over 5,000 pounds, 5,000 to 6,000 pounds. It's your bigger vehicles. Yeah, y'all seen people like you see the entertainment, they get them spreader vans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or farmers with the expedition. Y'all see a lot of farmers with expeditions and stuff. Their wife was driving the big ones. It's because of the tax write-off and tax credit on that. The, the soccer mom, uh, Jones. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, y'all. We, so right, we, uh, we we are now approaching <laughs> approaching nine o'clock, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, we hey. definitely appreciate Kevin and uh, and Michi. Uh, hey, tell him to call me. Huh? <laughs> that question. Tell them to call me. Yeah, that's what I'm about to say. Yeah, I'm about to tell. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we um <laughs> we definitely appreciate these guys for coming on. And if y'all have any questions, uh, call Kevin uh, about cars. If you have any questions about buying a house or interest in buying cars or houses, you know, call Kevin Amage. So um, what we want to do here is. is <laughs> <laughs> hey, the three work great. <laughs> what, what, what we want to do here is uh. <laughs> make sure that, that everybody understands too. When you go to these guys, you know, they're, they're, this is no judgment zone. That's these guys' livelihood. They ain't, you know, if you go, go there, you know, you got bad credit, just be upfront and, you know, and honest with them. Yeah. They, and, they, and, they and tell you they can work through that with you. Hey, even with, with bad credit, um, I, I don't, I really don't have, I, I know how to repair credit, but I don't necessarily have time to do it. To do it. But if your credit is not where you did, and this is one of the things that we go in class too. If your credit is not where it needs to be, we can coach you through the process and give you all the, we have like a credit repair kit that we can uh, email you to uh, kind of just coach you. I mean, credit can be repaired. You can do that yourself. Uh, a lot of people don't understand it or they don't want to take the time to do it. But if you got the, uh, the right letters or whatnot, you can repair your credit yourself. Uh, credit we, we offer, we say it again. Not credit repair, credit therapy. Exactly. We offer credit therapy to kind of coach you through rebuilding your credit and getting where you need to be. So, uh, like I said, that's all part of the classes that me and my business partner do. Uh, anybody out there that's first time home, anybody interested in buying a home and your credit is not where you want it to be, hey, give me a call too. We can, I can talk you through that and tell you what you need to do. If you need the, the letters or information on how to uh, go about doing it, hey, we, we got all that for you. So, All right. Well, look, we appreciate it. As we, uh, as we jump off here, yeah, appreciate you, Keith. As we jump off, man, this is what I want us all to do. I want us all to freeze, and, I, and I'm going to go off air, all right? Because we ain't going to leave Keith out there by himself like that. No, but look. <laughs> we ain't leaving him out there by himself like that. Look, let me, let me say this about Keith. Keith proved to y'all tonight uh, the, the very essence of what it means to be from cold water. Fighting through adversity, right? Still having the job to do. That's it. And going ahead and getting it done, no matter what people say, right? So, mm -hmm. Keith, uh, we appreciate you, man. Uh, we know you're yeah, in the yeah. greatest locker room, and uh, you don't really have a lot of uh, in the uh, freshest suit. The freshest suit. I, I, I bet the back of that shirt so wet. He's so nervous. <laughs> oh no, man! He's gonna make me nervous, Doc. Yeah, you too cool for that, man. Nah, man. Keith, even cool is the other side of the pillar, man. So, uh, like I said, man, we can't thank y'all enough. Uh, for coming on, I feel like we're definitely probably gonna have y'all back on at some point, man. Because uh, you know, we we definitely want to help our community, help our people, um, people in our our audience. So uh, we appreciate y'all, man. And, oh, yeah. uh, this this is uh this was Ramon on here tonight too. I know y'all kept calling me Meats, but this was Ramon on here tonight. We we, we bring in we look just to let y'all know to give y'all a peek into to the future. So we're gonna bring Meach back on um at some point. So we're working on. Uh, a special episode where we bring uh, Meech uh, back on so he can uh, tell y'all the, the other side. And so what's the difference between Ramon and Meech? Ramon busy. Meech Coldwater. Okay. So that was Coldwater that, cold that was on that float the other night on Facebook. The yeah, that, that, hey, that was him in raw form. That was, <laughs> yeah, that, that was Meech. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, man. Look, we definitely appreciate y'all, fellas. Uh, happy 2023. When we talk to y'all again, we'll be in a new year. Right, appreciate y'all guys right. for having me, man. We'll catch you when this go. All right, freeze, fellas. All right, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>